Would you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, your people call out for understanding. Bring to our yearning hearts and minds the truth of your word. Amen. So I have a pastor friend in Texas. She, she's now retired, but she was serving an interim pastorate, a, a time between their two regular long-term pastors, at a church in Houston. And she went looking for something in a storage closet, and she's going to, you couldn't have found it if it was an elephant. Everything was just a mess in there. It was full. I'm sure there are no places like that in this church. Though I'm told by Earl Heitzman, don't go into the basement right now. Well, she said, somebody needs to do something about this. So she went about organizing it. And in there, she found an old silk flower arrangement that had definitely seen better days. It was dusty, it was tattered, it was faded, and she did what was only logical and consigned it to the trash. Well, you would have thought that she had pulled out a gun and shot someone in worship from the pulpit. Didn't she know that great Aunt Agnes had made that with her very own two hands? She did not stay at that church very long. <laughs> Ever heard the old saying that sacred cows make great hamburgers? <laughs> Every church has its sacred cows, traditions, the way we've always done things. And every pastor, inadvertently, usually, disturbs sacred cows at some point. I thought maybe I had one. Christina came to me and asked about the table that was in the window in the narthex. She says, there's not much room back there. I need more space for things. What would happen if we took this table away? I said, don't you dare. Talk to Loretta first. And so we did. We talked to Loretta. She said, well, that was Roseanne Burley who started that. I really don't care. Roseanne's not in town anymore so guess it's gone and it must not have been much of a sacred cow because no one has said a word about it <laughs> and i'm happy to say that my experience to date has been that this church is more open to ideas and experiments than many i have seen or pastored in today's passage, Jesus will confront the Pharisees, those keepers of tradition in his time, when they criticize his disciples' actions. And he doesn't show them a lot of sympathy. He calls them hypocrites. That's a charge that a lot of people make about Christians today, that we don't practice what we preach, that we don't walk the talk, and sadly, there's a lot of truth to what they say. More of us look like Pharisees than we want to admit. In this confrontation, Jesus holds a mirror up to us and asks, are you more worried about the way things are done than loving God and loving neighbor? Mark 7, 1, 5. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who have come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of the his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them, 
For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, brown kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do you, your disciples not live according to the traditions of the elder, but eat with defiled hands? Now this is the first time we've seen the Pharisees around since early in Jesus' ministry. They're back. And they've brought reinforcements from Jerusalem. And the first problem they see is that the disciples aren't washing their hands before they ate. Now, come and watch the TGIF kids arrive some Friday. You know, all the snacks are set out and the children are hungry. They're ready to pounce on it like starving vultures. But the first instruction from the adults is what, Gussie? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. And if we were to look at the water in the sink as they do, boy, we would be glad that they had. Hand washing for us, particularly right now with a flu epidemic and this coronavirus around, is a manner of health and hygiene. But this was not true in Jesus' time. Just as the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years was not morally impure, but ritually impure, hand washing was a ritual act. The disciples would have been ritually unclean, at least according to the Pharisees. And I say that because they have taken a command that God gave to the priests and applied it to everyone for all time. God's instructions are that Aaron and his sons and their descendants are to wash their hands and feet before they enter the tabernacle and approach the altar to make an offering. So who should wash their hands? The priests. And when should they wash their hands? When they go into the temple or come near the altar. However, a little earlier in the same book, in Exodus, God had also told Moses that the Israelites would be a priestly nation, a holy kingdom. Much like we say on our bulletin that all members are ministers. So the Pharisees had put these two passages together and come up with the law that all Jews should richly wash their hands before all meals. And the disciples have broken this tradition. What is Jesus' response to their question? Mark 7, 6, 8. And he said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about your hypocrisy, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrine. You abandon the commandments of God and hold to human traditions. As the old saying goes, the Pharisees are majoring in the minors. In other words, they have missed the point. Doing the ritual and doing it right is no substitute for having the right heart. In fact, Jesus is quoting Isaiah who calls it vain. Jesus continues with the, his criticism of the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. Mark 7, 9 through 13. Then he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandments of God in order to keep your traditions. For Moses said, 
honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother whatever su support you might have had, have had from me is korban, that is, an offering to God, then you no longer permit doing anything for a father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your traditions that you must have handed on. And you do many things like this. Okay, so what Jesus is saying here is a little complicated for us who are not first century Pharisees. Let's see if I can help you get to the meat of Jesus' words. Jesus is saying that these Pharisees who know the commandments about honoring their parents, their fathers and mothers, have gone to them and say, I would love to support you in your old age, but any support I could give to you has to go as my offering to God. Or likewise, it might have been any support I'm giving to you is actually an offering to God. It is not about supporting mom and dad uh, doing, following the commandments, but making an offering. I don't know, maybe they got a tax deduction. To the outside world, the, the Pharisees look holy and generous, but in reality, Jesus is telling them they are voiding the word of God. Now Jesus wants all the people to know what is important in this exchange with the Pharisees. Mark 7, 14 through 16. Then they <coughs> called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. Now, people around the world eat some pretty disgusting things. In their book, Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes, Randy Richards and Brandon O'Brien tell a story about taking a group of college students overseas to a country that many of us probably have never visited. After dinner, Randy mentioned that the main dish had been a stir-fry with, with meat in it that was non-traditional. They had eaten rat, which made one of the students probably get up and go outside and lose her dinner. Randy points out that the nausea she experienced was not from the meat itself, but from the thought of the meat. The very idea of eating rat turned her stomach as it might be turning yours now. My mother, growing up in rural East Texas during the Depression, ate some things that make me shudder too. But Jesus tells us that what goes in isn't what defiles, it's what comes from the heart that defiles. What we, goes, what we eat goes in our stomachs, not in our hearts. And what defiles? Words and actions that wound deeply are one. I had a conversation with a man this week that showed me that. I invited him to come to worship with us one Sunday. And he went on to tell me about a time when he was young, a little boy, and his mother, who was a single parent, was going through some very hard times, particularly difficult financially. And their church came and shamed her because she was not able to give what they considered was an appropriate amount of money. They harassed her. Now, decades later, this man still carries the wounds from that encounter and avoids church, any church, altogether. 
I hope if I ever manage to convince him to come, that he will experience that love that you guys are so good at giving. I would say that church his mother went to defiled the word of God, wouldn't you? The brother of a pastor friend invited a friend of his to church one Sunday. Well, this brother ran late, and he arrived at the church after his friend had gotten there. And he came to find his friend sitting on the curb outside the front door of the church. Why didn't you go in, he said. What are are you doing sitting out here? They wouldn't let me in, his friend said. See, it was North Carolina, and the pastor's brother was white, and his friend was black. You think it doesn't happen in your lifetime, don't you? I would say that they defiled the word of God, wouldn't you? What makes us acceptable to God? Is it following the rules and traditions, or is it repentance and following Jesus? Well, you've got to love the disciples. They're, They're struggling with what Jesus said to the crowd because their whole identity has been formed around ritual purity, what they can eat or what they can't eat. A struggle that will come and continue in the early church. Mark 7, 17, 23. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach and goes out into the sewer. Thus he declares all foods clean. And he said, It is what comes out of a person that defiles. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, adverse, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within. And they defile that person. Yeah, Jesus must be getting frustrated with the disciples and their lack of understanding. So just imagine how frustrating we must be. (laughs) So Jesus spells it out for the disciples and for us. Evil intentions come from the heart, not from the stomach. And he gives this laundry list of examples. And I'm sure we could add more. So let me ask a question here. Ladies, how many of you are wearing pants or trousers today? What would your mother or your grandmother have said to you 50 years ago? (laughs) All right, gentlemen, it's your turn. How many of you have on a jacket and a tie? One. (laughs) For the rest of you, what would your father or your grandfather have said to you 50 years ago? Yeah, in some ways, these may seem like trivial examples, but there are still people who feel like they can't come to church because they don't have the right clothes to wear. Though I must say, I appreciate that you are wearing clothes. Now, this is one of those stories that might or might not be true, but I like it. So there was a very proper downtown church where you wore your Sunday best every week. In fact, if you did not, there was an usher who was known to have to, to uh, let you know that you'd better do better next week. And he was on duty one Sunday when in walked a boy, this must have been happening in the 60s or 70s, that you could only describe as a hippie. 
long unkempt hair, jeans, flip-flops, a t-shirt, none of which were particularly clean, maybe with some holes in it. Everybody who saw him come in, I mean, this was going to be the show of the service. They were just waiting to see what that head usher would say to him. And as they watched, the young man came in, and he walked down the center aisle just to about the point where Jerry is, and he sat down on the floor, not even in a pew, went cross-legged. Oh, well, now it was going to get even better. <laughs> they were pretty sure he was going to be dragged out by the scruff of his neck and told Doc don't come back until he could mind his manners and get some good clothes. And sure enough, everybody could hear it. This is an older gentleman. He walked with a cane, and and it was a tile floor, so you could hear the step and then the click of the cane as that usher came forward until he drew even with the young man. Any guesses what he did? It surprised everyone. Painfully, slowly, that head usher sat down in the aisle with the young man and worshipped with him. I think he got what Jesus was trying to teach. Don't you? Reverend Karen Pidcock Lester wrote a commentary about this story, or this passage, and she shared this story in the commentary from her ministry. Several years ago, during the service of the Lord's Day, I finished a sermon and stepped down from the pulpit, joining the congregation in a hymn. As I sang, a man came forward to the pulpit and whispered, I want to be baptized. Ed was well known to us. He had been married to a daughter of the church for nearly 40 years. Ed had had his troubles over those years, having lost his business a time or two and wrestled with alcohol addiction. I also knew that his soul had been longing for God for many years, but he just could not find his way to accepting God's grace. I want to be baptized, he said. Now, the polity of my denomination requires a vote of the elders to approve a baptism. It also calls for an elder to participate in the baptism. There are good reasons for those ordinances. On this Sunday, there was no vote and no official elder. Baptism in any denomination requires water. On this Sunday, there was no water in the font. Several verses of the hymn gave me time to think and pray. Perhaps the same spirit that inspired this text in Mark prompted me that day. When the hymn came to an end, I spied under the pulpit the glass of untouched drinking water. I picked up the glass, led Ed over to the font, and began. The promise is to you and to your children, to all who are far off. Ed, do you turn from the ways of sin and evil that would separate you and the whole world from the love of God? Do you turn toward Jesus Christ? Though it was not according to the traditions of the elders, there was no doubt in anyone's mind when Ed answered, I do, that his heart was in it. For that matter, so was the heart of every person in the sanctuary that morning. When the elders next met, they voted to approve Ed's baptism because they believed God's heart was in that moment too. I don't think this, congreg I think this congregation got what Jesus was trying to teach. Don't you? Jesus wants our insides and our outsides to match. 
I, I spoke of these a few weeks ago, but, but these are the ways that Methodists do it. We call them the general rules. The first one is do no harm, which is to avoid evil of every kind, especially, as John Wesley says, that which is most generally practiced, which could be fighting, quarreling, returning evil for evil, uncharitable or unprofitable conversation, gossip, self-indulgence, borrowing without a probability of paying, doing unto others what we would not they do unto us. And I love this one. Doing what we know is not for the glory of God. The second one is, is simple, and I'm going to give you what uh, you may have seen on a t-shirt or two. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to people's bodies and souls. And stay in love with God. Stay connected to God through worship and scripture, communion, prayer, study, and my least favorite of all, fasting. <laughs> Lent is coming, guys. Start thinking about your fast. Wesley reminds us, and all these we know, his spirit writes on truly awakened hearts. Now, the general rules make it sound simple, but that's not always the case. Many of you might have read or, or, or experienced a, a, a woman was doing meals for the homeless in our uh, Joe Kidd Hall for a little over a year. And her vision was to involve high school students who would come to know the homeless as people, not just the homeless. And she worked so hard at it. But at a recent meeting, we were talking. And, and we were talking, uh, it wasn't being very well attended. And it's because of, of daylight savings time. It's dark. And while they can get someone to drop them off here, they were having to walk to the shelter in the dark. And many of them didn't want to do that. So uh, we were talking about moving it to another place. For instance, Heritage House, which is also now a certified kitchen. It's open till 7. Many of them are already there. And the woman from Heritage House said, well, that's going to be a problem. I've got registered sex offenders there. And when you bring the high school students in, I've got to figure out distances and where they can stay. stay. There are statutes that say if you're a registered sex offender, you cannot be within so many, much distance to a minor person. You should have seen the look that came over this woman's face. She said, there are registered sex offenders? Are they coming now? And she says, with a woman from Heritage House, without revealing any names, says, yeah. So I can promise you, already, they had been in violation of the rules of their parole. Not their fault, not our fault, but we had helped facilitate it. And we had helped create a relationship between registered sex offenders and minor high school students. Um, those meals have been canceled right now, at least in the format that they have, because it was, while it was trying to do good, it was also causing harm. Like I said, it's not always easy to figure this out, is it? And so I thank God that I don't have to do it alone, that you are here to help me, and we're here to help each other. So I thank you.
for holding me accountable and for upholding me in your prayers. Let's continue to focus on what God has placed in our hearts and how we live out God's grace in our daily lives and our life together so that the insides and the outsides match.